listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Welcome to a One Take Podcast, episode 166. This week we are doing Anatomy of a Fall, the Oscar-nominated French-English-German produ- <laughs> production. I don't, yeah, something. The it's movie from France that was not nominated for Best uh, International Feature for France. But it was nominated for Best Picture. Because it's like not in French, but it is. Well, that wasn't the not. reason it was it was it wasn't nominated. I think uh there is some sort of mischievous stuff behind the voting academies. Not not our voting academy, but whoever nominates the films in France. Yeah, the American voting academy would never have any shenanigans. Ever. No. <laughs> not once. Uh, we are above apparently- reproach. Apparently, the film they did nominate, The Taste of Things, is phenomenal. I have not seen it, but apparently, it's incredible. So even though, obviously, uh, there was some stiff competition, and there was obviously some drama behind this film not being selected by the French people, uh, apparently, The Taste of Things is just also mind-blowingly good. And it's just, sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes you got two bangers. Apparently, a lot more, like, classic um, French filmmaking in that. Uh, This is more new wave New, not new wave as in like the 70s, the 60s and 70s, but <laughs> new wave as in new for French cinema. Um, there's also some stuff, uh, I, I haven't researched this a ton, but there was also some stuff, maybe this got left out because of political comments made by the filmmaker Justine Trier. That's what um, I heard. Some There's thoughts that that may have done it. Anyway, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to talk a lot. I had what can only be described as, uh, I don't know, the, the worst disease known to man. Um, you get the man flu. I had the man flu, uh, you know, podcasting <laughs> while you're sick. Some people, you know, you don't have to call me a hero or anything, but some people might. <laughs> this is your uh, flu game. We expect man. you to drop 45. We expect <laughs> you to, to lead us to victory. I am not a psychopath like Jordan, so I <laughs> I will pass the rock and get out of the way. Anyway, uh, Anatomy of a Fall came out now last year. I think it was a it was selected for Cannes uh, all the all that time ago. I, probably around this time last year. I think mm-hmm. it won. It won. Yeah, I think it won. It won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, I believe. Um, Anatomy of a Fall rated R seven point eight on IMDb. A woman is suspected of murder after her husband's death and their visually challenged son faces a moral dilemma as the main witness. Written and directed by Justine Trier, author Harari also has a uh, screenplay credit. Stars Sandra Hewler, who you may recognize because she was also in an Oscar-nominated film, which Tej uh, blasted on this uh, podcast, which was, which one was that? Sorry, I'm off. Wait, what movie? Were, I didn't recognize her from what another movie. What what movie was she? She, in? Was, 
She was in uh, the other international film that was nominated for Best Picture. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. She is in the Zone of Interest. Zone of Interest. Sorry. So she has a starring role in that. Um, you, yeah. I, Unless you're really tapped in, I'm not sure if you would recognize a lot of these other people, but uh, Swan Arlode, um, Milo Machado Grenier plays the their son, Daniel, who Dex... Mark it in the tally. Another phenomenal child performance. Yeah, we got yeah. one. We got one. <laughs> uh, and Antone uh, Rianartz as the attorney general who is just throwing 100 miles an hour the entire movie. And uh, Samuel T. Uh, Tice as Samuel Molesky. It, um, it's played in limited release in a lot of places. But let me see how much money it's made. Have we ever seen the star, somebody star, and like not just appear in two movies that are nominated for Best Picture, but literally star in two movies that have been nominated for Best Picture? And yes. not get like, have we ever seen that before? Who's who's done that? Um, that's insane. I know that. I mean, Jamie Foxx was nominated twice in the same year for acting categories. But as far as like star in the in the best. Yeah, let me have to go down my Rolodex. It probably yeah, I'm like r- racking my brain right now trying to think. <laughs> I mean, did that Leo, like very impressive. It definitely has happened before. And somebody like let us know in in the comments if if that who that has been. I want to say like Tom Hanks, but I I can't really rack my brain on on who it might be. But yeah, Sandra Hewler had an incredible year, and you know Dex may have some qualms about like the best actor actress nomination but boy do i (laughs) but she does i think pull off a herculean effort because she speaks multiple languages in this film i don't know if she ever speaks german you star in two films that are nominated for best picture i'm sorry you have to be nominated for one of them for those performances whether or not the performance is good who cares if you are literally the star of two best picture nominations, you should be automatically put into the actors to actors category. That that's in, that that makes no sense. You're not Barbie though. <laughs> I don't know what to well, tell you. That's a different conversation. Good reviews. Ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Ninety one audience score. A smart, solidly crafted procedural that's anchored in family drama. Anatomy of a Fall. Find star Sandra Hewler and director, co-writer, Justine Trier, operating at peak power. Uh, who wants to go first? Uh, Tej, you put us onto this because you, you, I think you were completest on the best picture nominees. We wanted to do this. I should say first, because uh, literally everything that came out is bad or tanked recently, and we'll talk about those movies at ass. the end of the podcast. So much uh, Argyle, despite being in everybody's theaters for, uh, for previews for... 20 years. I think it was going on 20 years. It's Uh, been so long. Absolutely blasted at the box office. It did nothing compared to to what it should have. Um, And rightly so, because I think people hated it. But thanks. uh, We'll talk about those at the end of the podcast. Teach, you completed this movie first. It's on, I should say, it's $6 on Amazon. You can do worse than renting this movie uh, right now because it probably, at this point, is not going to come to your theater. Uh, But Teach, go ahead. I was kind of blown away by this movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, 
just if just the court scenes alone by themselves, without even the setup stuff and the stuff at home and the stuff with the dog and the son, the court stuff is so gripping. It it, it is it is a movie where obviously it's a procedural, it's a courtroom drama, but it is very very entertaining. I really like the way the filmmaker did some of the scenes, especially like for example, there's a scene where there's an audio tape that's played in court. That's a very uh, heated moment between this woman and her now dead husband. But we, we as a viewer are seeing the argument, although in court, they're just hearing the audio. Those are the kind of movie tricks that I really appreciated. I thought the movie was very, very well choreographed. It looks great. The, the, the language stuff is so cool because in court, you know, it actually matters what language that we're speaking in court versus the language that our character speaks most comfortably in. And there are issues that arise because of her particular language choices. I just thought it was a really, really smart movie. I've never, I've obviously, I've seen a lot of proce- uh, courtroom procedurals. I love a courtroom procedural. I've never seen one quite like this. And mostly that's because it's in a French courtroom, which if you were to believe the way this movie is formatted, French court is the wildest shit of it all time. So By the way, <laughs> most of this podcast is going to be like, what the hell is up with French court? French French court is predicted in the most insane way possible. Please, if you have not seen this movie, stop listening to this now. I'm not going to spoil anything yet, but I don't even want to tell you what French court looks like until you've seen this film. Okay, thank you. French court is the most insane thing of all time if you were to take this film literally. One, the defendant is kind of always on the stand. If somebody bars up the defendant, you can go back to the defendant and be like, you heard what that bitch just said about you? What is your retort? Like, it's more of like a conversation amongst four or five people. The lawyers are more like philosophers. They're basically doing op- opening and closing statements in the middle of people's testimony. They'll Literally stop you the so time. that they can spit some bars. <laughs> They're getting quips off. They're getting laughs from the jury. Like, French court makes no sense. Now, I did do some research, like I told Joe that I would, about how accurately French court is, is predict. Uh, uh, portrayed in this film, it's not accurate at all. French court <laughs> is actually very close to American court. So imagine watching this if this were an American film in an American courtroom, how weird it would be. And I think that's what makes it one of the things that makes the movie so smart. You're not just obviously I'm a lawyer, but like most people have a basic understanding of how court works because they've seen enough law and order. They've seen enough American court to where they know that there are rules, they know that this person talks at this time, this person may or may not testify, and they're the ones being accused, they don't have to testify, but they can, et cetera, et cetera. Using that and putting up this other courtroom system against that is just so cool as an American viewer because it makes it immediately different than A Few Good Men, which is itself different because that's an army court, which is a little different than a traditional court, right? Uh, the, The differences in how court is shown in this film completely grabbed me from minute one once I realized, holy shit, these people are not just dressed funny. They're, I have no sense of what the rules are in this courtroom even though I practice law. I had no idea what the fucking rules were in this courtroom. By I, the way... That really I'm, helped me. That really... I had a lot of fun with that. Sorry, it seems that American court is the only one where like the prosecutors and the attorneys don't get dressed up and like play dress up with like... I think in like <laughs> England, they still wear like wigs and shit. They wear wigs. Yeah, 
They wear the big long robes and like wigs. For who? For what? <laughs> I don't know. The, I just I thought it was so well done. Uh, the fact that you don't really know it's such a smart way to do the movie that you don't know. Sometimes like when you're watching a few good men, for example, and I keep comparing to that because that's an incredible court drama that I've watched in the last year or so. Like, you know that the person that you're seeing on trial is innocent. So that colors the way that you watch the movie. We don't quite know whether this character is innocent, quote unquote, innocent, whether she's actually done this, whether she had anything to do with her husband's death. And then there are moments where she gets caught in either lies or omissions that makes you might make you suspicious of the character. And I think that's such a smart way to do it just because the whole time watching, I was like, I changed my mind about whether I thought that she did it 30 times. I kept changing my mind about whether I thought that she did it. I think that's a really smart way to design the film. Having the kid who like, you have this relationship between her and the kid where the kid is all of a sudden testifying either for or against her. And now we have to separate them. So that, you know, we put strain on their relationship, but also the kid is going to maybe make or break the case. I just thought it was very smart, very well done, extremely enjoyable. I gave it an A. I would recommend anybody to watch it. I fully understand why I was nominated for Best Picture. I tend to agree with, although props to Sandra for being nominated, being in two movies that are nominated for Best Picture. This one's actually good, unlike the other one. And (laughs) I can give her a lot of props for that. But I, I... would not have nominated for her just because it's such a stacked year. But I did enjoy her performance. And I don't think the film works or reaches the heights that it reaches without her being that good. The language stuff, like Roy said before, is integral to the film. And I think that she seamlessly does that stuff. That stuff can't be easy. I don't know whether she's a polyglot. I don't know whether what language she speaks. But like that stuff really, really makes the film and adds touches to the film. I really enjoyed her performance. Not that I would have it in the top five performances that I've seen this year, now having seen all the Best Picture nominees, but I, I really enjoyed her performance, and I gave the movie an A. I, I really enjoyed it. She speaks French, English, and German, which is super <laughs> convenient that this movie is written almost exactly for her. It's yes, like, it seems like that's that's on purpose. <laughs> it's like when the Hans Landa part was written probably specifically for um, uh, what's-his-face in, in uh, Django. Or not oh, Django, yes. and Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards, yeah. Yeah. It's got to be able to speak German in that yeah, way. You, you have to speak yeah. Italian. You have to also speak English. But So he like wrote an impossible part, and then only one actor could play it. But, you know, anyway. I, I, I'll just go real quick, because I wanted to make it quick, and then, but I wanted to speak on the, like, ambiguity of it. I, um... I know people have like changed their minds like a thousand times about like, did she do it or did, did she not? Um, And I kind of left like not knowing what actually happened, but that feeling of like shock of ambiguity, you know what I'm talking about? Like, man, I really don't know what happened. Didn't wash over me the way that I wanted it to. Mm. Like I, I, I didn't leave the movie with a bunch of unanswered questions. If that makes a lot of sense. You were just like not guilty, cool. All right. Yeah, I was just kind of like, yeah. Once the <laughs> once it was over and she was home, I kind of accepted it. And I don't spoiler know. Alert. It, spoiler alert! Oh, sorry. Spoiler yeah. alert! <laughs> my bad. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. Oops. 
<laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, for the, it, the the one plot that's like really integral to the movie that everybody's yeah. gonna watch it for. <laughs> um. Anyway, Literally what's the it? only thing in this movie you can spoil? We did. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> um. No. So like, once it's over and she's you know, she's back home. I just kind of. I kind of like let I kind of just let the movie go away and it didn't sit with me as much as I think probably it sat with a lot of other people. And I don't know if no, it was because I was sick or whatever. I just think then when the movie was done, I was like, that was a well-crafted movie with a really good central performance and, and performances from actors that I obviously have never seen before, including uh, the best performance in the movie, the dog uh, Snoop. Shout out. To he Snoop. should be nominated for best actor. Um, he was but, great. I forgot to shout him out. He was phenomenal. Great best, job by that dog. Best dog performance since Airbud. And I think that <laughs> I don't know. I just think that because it's a well crafted sort of who done it. Um and it's not even a who done it because you have the accused and you have, oh, maybe he killed himself. So it's not like a knives out who done it. It is yeah. sort of like a just general court case. And um <laughs> It it's just simply an it's simply elevated from being another episode. This sounds reductive, but I mean it in the in a good way. This is elevated from being another episode of Law and Order here in the States because of how it's filmed and because of the performances and because of the writing. Because at its core, it's it's stuff that maybe we're desensitized to it here in the States, but you see all the time on daytime television, you can just turn on the news and be like, uh, you know, a son chopped his mother's head off on YouTube or whatever. And we're just sort of like, Ooh, all right. How the rockets do, but, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but so a guy falling to his death, isn't, is it, it's like not the most shocking thing in the world. It's, it's elevated because you have, a great performance from the mother and the uh, incredible performance. I can't say it enough from the son. And then adding in the element of like, what is actually true due to his uh, impairment, his sight. I, I, I think it's elevated in that sense. It's an elevated true crime story, which, you know, we see a thousand of on HBO or Netflix right now. So uh, to that end, I still gave it an A. I thought, I thought definitely it should be nominated for, best picture because i think it's it's just engrossing and um i love seeing movies that i haven't seen something done like that before i haven't ever seen a courtroom sequence play out like that before um and by the way i should mention i wanted to i thought about this today if the court doesn't play out like that if this is an american court movie this movie is four hours long because they yeah. like say so much stuff and it's still a two and a half hour movie. They say so much stuff in that court, in those courtroom scenes, that it would be impossible. This would be a, a, a three week long trial. This would be the OJ trial. And they just like, <laughs> they just get their bars off in like a week in the time of the movie. And, uh, you know, of course they had time jump a year or whatever, but I just think it's, I think it's such an interesting look at how this works out. And I, Really, the one thing that I left from the movie, and you can find it on my letterbox review, is like, Jesus Christ, I hope I never get arrested in France. Like that. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not ready to sit on the stand at literally every moment. Like, you just got to be ready. It's like, like, what are they saying about me? You know, they're <laughs> fucking you up, right? And it's just like. <laughs> and they're anyway. cooking me in French. Yeah, Man. exactly. I can't understand shit. Um, Sandra Hewler, uh, you know, I get why she was nominated. Obviously, um, I would have preferred the Barbie role. We talked about that on our podcast at length um, last week. But to, I think when somebody can do something in multiple languages and like get the point across and she's German, I, I, I thought for the longest time, this really just tells me that I don't know the difference between accents. Cause I thought she, for the longest time she was French. I didn't know that she was German. I couldn't distinct that. I couldn't separate that at all. So I was like, why is she speaking in French or speaking in English anyway? Uh, to not speak in her native tongue. And in fact, speak twice in her non-native tongue two separate languages i thought it was i thought it was brilliant and she conveys a lot of emotion but uh, to me the best performance was the dog so there's that um a for me dex i'm a little lower on this than y'all are but not by much i gave it a b plus uh i also enjoyed this movie but there's a couple things that i'm like it's not as great as it could have been for me i feel like the the sandra hula performance for what it is it's it's good but like her role is just written in such a way that i just like couldn't take her as seriously as i wanted to like some of the stuff she was saying to her husband i was just like this is not how a real human being would talk ever like this just doesn't like this doesn't compute for me like i'm just taken out of the scene by her being like i mean he's your kid fuck him like, i don't care like you know i don't have to take care of him these people hated right. each other man <laughs> <laughs> the whole like the whole movie you're supposed to be like very moved by her connection to her son except she has this argument with her husband where she's just like screw that kid he sucks like i don't care <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> i want to write you could be writing like me if you said screw that kid but you're not that is not what she said that's not a fair summary of what she was saying at all that is not what it fair. felt like <laughs> definitely what it felt like you're that kid. Uh, if you were a real man, you'd be writing, but you're not. You're taking care of a kid, and I don't owe you anything. I don't owe your kid anything. Uh, but yeah, like stuff like that. I'm like, it's a little bit of a miss for me. Uh, I couldn't care about their relationship as much as I wanted to because of stuff like that. Also, she is just the most guilty innocent person there's ever been. If she's innocent, like she's. I've never seen someone. <laughs> <laughs> she was literally in court like i lied because if i told you the truth you would think i was guilty like I yeah i was like that's not how this works <laughs> that's not what you say right now dude uh but yeah overall i think this movie is really good i think it's really well acted i think it's really well put together the courtroom scenes are incredible drama incredible cinema shout out to the french people for their cinematicness uh, and all the drama the uh the prosecutor, I don't know what his official title is, but he was cooking this entire movie. I, I was, he was really cooking. Everything he said, I was like, yeah, she did that shit for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely she did that shit. Then, like, her defense lawyer would come back with, like, you know, I mean, I don't, we don't really know if she did it or not, man. Like, you're just kind of guessing. I'm like, yeah, he's guessing, but he cooking you. Like, he's, his guessing is way <laughs> more convincing than <laughs> uh, So, yeah, I had a good time watching it. Um, the son, his performance is the one that kind of, 
it wasn't like the best performance, but it's the one that like stuck out to me the most, moved me the most, I guess. Uh, yeah, every time he did something, I was like kind of hanging on his every word. At first in the movie, I was like, I don't know what to make of this kid. I was like, I don't know what's really happening here. I was like, is he blind? Is he not blind? I don't know what's going on. And then they explained that part, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because <laughs> you're like in this weird in-between stage, but uh yeah like his conversations with like the little handler they give him and like obviously his speech at the end of the movie uh were all really good especially for a kid i don't know how experienced this kid is or whatever but he's pretty good he's got a future in this business um so yeah overall I give it a b plus some things have been a little better the relationship between the husband and wife and this just wasn't right for me to really care about that as much as i wanted to but the whodunit of it all was cool. It was good. So, deserved the Best Picture Nom. Not my favorite of the Best Picture nominees this year by any means, but deserves to be amongst them. So, I will say that um, I just, the Hollywood Reporter had uh, it, the nominated an actor starring in, in uh, a, twice in two films that were nominated for Best Picture has happened surprisingly a lot in the last decade. Really? Yeah. So, um, I mean, he wasn't the star, but Mahershala Ali was in Hidden Figures and Moonlight in the same year. Um, Tom Tom Hardy was in Mad Max and The Revenant in the same year. I keep forgetting Um, The Revenant was nominated, and I keep forgetting that Tom Hardy was in The Revenant. Those are two things that I definitely did not remember. He's also, like, not technically the star of them, like Sandra Hewler is, Mm -hmm. but... You know, it, it goes on down the line, and there's you know some character actors that have been in. Uh, Matthew McConaughey was in Dallas Buyers Club and Wolf of Wall Street. He's not the star in that movie, but um, it goes on down the line. So I think further down in history, it's definitely happened more. But in the past decade, it's it's happened a few times. Wow. Um, but now it's like huge stars just like don't make. They make like one movie a year. It seems like. They yeah. used to people used to crank out movies. Yeah, I mean, Jackson's the only one making nine movies a year because he'll be in a movie for, uh, for a movie set for three days. He's like, all right, on to the next yeah, movie. I'll set. do my thing. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Argyle, <laughs> um, but, yeah, Scarjo did it. Like she got two noms for acting whenever that was twenty nineteen. But yeah. yeah, it seems like the top stars don't really do that anymore. She was in Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story in the same year? Yes. Yeah, okay. Was um, Jojo Rabbit out nominated for Best Picture? I don't even remember. Was it? I think so. Maybe it was. Have you noticed there's been a lot of Jojo Rabbit revisionist history? Don't even get what's me started the, on revisionist history. What's the revision? Because that movie is good, and it's always been good. Well, Tej doesn't like it, but... that. Well, uh, I, I watched it the second time, and I had... I liked it more the second time. I still don't love it as much as y'all do, like everybody else, but I, I had a better time with it the second time where I could kind of get out of the way of what the hell was happening and kind of settle into the fact that we're making a Hitler comedy. Uh, I had a better time with it, but I still didn't love it as much as people do. I've seen a lot of revisionist history on the fucking Eternals. And listen, guys, stay off the fucking internet. We don't care about your thoughts about the Eternals. <laughs> it was actually, this was good, guys. No, it fucking wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't good. The MCU hasn't even acknowledged that that film has ever existed in the storyline since it dropped 
Nobody cares about that fucking film, and nobody's going to watch Eternals 2, and that shit's probably going to get scrapped because that shit snakes. Please stop. Uh, that's fair. Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit were both nominated for Best Picture, so there's another one, Scarlett Johansson. Cooking. Um, yeah, so, I mean, spoilers throughout. We already spoiled the main plot point of the movie, but whatever. Um, so, heavy spoiler alert. So, she gets off on the end kind of based on really interesting testimony of the son telling the story that his dad may have been suicidal because of an anecdote that he told him a, a life lesson that he told him in the car. The one most time. convenient life lesson of all time. Um, also, he tried to kill his dog because he's a real normal kid. Uh, this, this dog is indestructible. This dog should have died twice. <laughs> <laughs> this dog ain't going nowhere. Holy shit. Best actor, Snoop. Um, yeah, I don't know. So what else do we, do we want to say on this? Like, I, you say you say guilty, Dex. She did that shit. I'm sorry. Teej, you she, say innocent. I well, I Well, let me separate two things. Innocent because the prosecutors didn't do their job at all. They were barring her up, but they didn't actually establish like that motive, like motive, like none of that shit. They were just barring her up and catching her in lies. But I do I think that she did it? I would lean no, but I'm not exactly sure that she did not do it. But I do think that whether she did it or not, there's no way, given what we saw in that courtroom, that she should have been found guilty. There's no way. But I, I I'm I'm only about seventy percent sure that she did not. She did not do it, and I'm, I'm pretty sure she did it. And the kid made the whole thing up. The kid made the kid was lying. <laughs> Your dad did not say that to you. And, and if I'm he with, did, you don't remember it word for word. Sorry. And I'm with the justice system. They got to, you know, they did their job. That's that is that is me. Uh, the court system have never flubbed in an investigation whatsoever. But <laughs> not the French. No, but can you imagine? Uh, can you imagine if you're in an American court and all of a sudden the uh, the DA is like, so you're bisexual, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you're like what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you were trying to fuck the witness, right? Right. That's what you were doing. That's why she was there, right? The witness what? was standing right here, and it's the yes. witness. She's literally we... right there, and it's like, so you were trying to fuck her, right? <laughs> Right? No, you're gonna tell me no. It's like, damn, this is happening in front of all these people. <laughs> Might I, I remind I, you that you're sworn in testimony? Are you gay? And it's just like, what? I, I want to oh, push back way, on something. One thing we have to just acknowledge. I'm surprised we got 30 minutes of this podcast without acknowledging it. This instrumental version of PIMP, they just oh my god, I forgot about that. Dude, I was so fucking annoyed by the end of it. And I know that's like a that's like a movie choice. She did it on purpose, but the steel drum version of PIMP is loud as fuck. It's loud as shit. It was so loud. I was like, why do you know that song, (laughs) dude? I'd kill you too, to be honest with you. <laughs> Turn that shit off. 
What a random oh, choice. Yeah. You don't expect that. You walk into a movie that's a French movie, and all of a sudden they're blasting PIMP at top value. The instrumental the version. French that shit was loud. Countryside just blasting PIMP by 50 Cent. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you never think, like, maybe this is me just being reductive, but you never think that, like, foreign countries are always going to have, like, American music, like, <laughs> I don't know. When I watch a film and all of a sudden it's like 50 cents PIMP comes on, I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Y'all got Spotify over there? You know, it's just like, it's so stupid. I want to push back on something Dex said. Dex said he couldn't really get into the relationship between the mom and the dad. I I had the complete opposite reaction. I was so into their relationship. The argument they're having about basically uh, the compromise they make with their time. You know, I, I, he basically felt like he made a bad deal. I allowed you to put me in a space where I gave this much, but now I want to take some of it back. I think that is so, and I won't go too personal, but like having been in relationships and having been in a marriage before, that is such a real thing when you feel like, okay, I, I, I gave you this. Like, I, we agreed on this. However, I want to take some of it back because the deal that I made doesn't serve me anymore. And obviously, if you're the other person, you're like, wait, this is the basis upon which we based our marriage based on the sacrifices that we made and the deal that we made. Now you're trying to take the deal back and you're blaming me for a deal that you said yes to. I thought both of them had so much, uh, had such good points to make in that argument. And obviously it got very heated, but the argument itself, I think is so well-written and it tracked for me so much that I was like, I was, I felt like I was indicted by it. I was like, wow, I feel like I've been both of them in different relationships. I've been the person who is getting the, who's benefiting more than the other person. And I want to stay in that position. I've been the person who feels like I sold too much. I gave too much. And now I want to give less because this doesn't, this only works if I'm sacrificing this much, but I want to sacrifice less. I thought that was such a smart way to write it and a, such a such a well-acted scene between the two actors. I absolutely loved it. I was blown away by that particular sequence. I was blown away by it. It is interesting, yeah. but it like doesn't I Dex, maybe I don't know, this may be your point or not. It doesn't like build their relationship at all. It all of a sudden is just like they hated each other. There was no like sort exactly. of Exactly. There was no sort <laughs> yeah, of build true. up to show like they show pictures of their past from a time that maybe they loved each other and but they really just throw you in the middle of their worst time ever uh which includes uh physical abuse and so it is it's really like stark like all of a sudden you're just like and it makes for a great movie moment and i do agree that the argument is well written um but i do feel like they didn't build up to any sort of that breaking point. I don't know. You don't feel any loss like by this guy dying. You know, it's like they hated each other. He is responsible for his kid being blind. Like whatever, who cares if he killed himself? Like, you don't, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't really feel, or at least I didn't end up really feeling anything for him. Like I wanted to, like, it'd be, I feel like the movie is better if I'm watching this, like, wow. Like this really, bright light got put out by this incident like did she do it did he do it himself like how tragic like what kind of tragedy is it um because yeah as is it's just kind of like this dude's dead like so 
like you know like we're more interested in the mom and the son we don't really care about the dead guy so much um how they build him up as like a better father or um you know a better husband or even just like a better writer teacher whatever he is it's like that would make me care more about their relationship and about that ending and also about him being dead um so yeah that's my only like nitpick with that like like you said the argument that they have is well written and like i understand that i can't relate to it necessarily i've never really been in that situation but uh you know it's compelling it's just not as compelling as it could be to me it is interesting like i mean it feels like justine trier is like had this argument before where it's like i've made sacrifices no i've made sacrifices argument which are awesome to be in by the way i really recommend that you get into one of those <laughs> arguments with your significant other it really goes exactly where you want it to teed your uh mics off i think but <laughs> i would recommend yeah would recommend <laughs> don't do it in couples therapy just have it out in your home um don't do that actually but i i I think that it's a little, you know, uh, true life getting thrown in there a little bit. Um, I do want to focus on uh, how this movie, because of the way we talked about it at length a little bit, but because of the way that the system is set up, that the in the in the American court system, obviously the the defendant's always on trial, but in most people don't really realize this because of movies or whatever. A lot of the times the defendant doesn't testify. Like they will not take the stand. They, yeah. in, in fact, it's probably better if you don't. And, and here the defendant is literally always on trial. Like got always, no choice. <laughs> yeah, they're always having to like answer questions and stuff. Like they're always on the, on the bench or bench the, the witness stand, I guess. And so, it's really it's really fascinating to me how that how that works because then it it opens up the the door for a wide array of more interactions and i think the camera movement and stuff in that is is really great that is such a huge swing from the director to be like i know what court is like or have some semblance of what court is like i'm just going to deconstruct this shit fully and just make it cinematic as shit that's a huge huge swing that could go so wrong and I just thought that it played out so well and so compelling that the fact that this is literally just a sham proceeding didn't mean anything to me. The stakes weren't changed by the fact that I was like, none of this shit makes sense in terms of the procedure, in terms of how the fuck you get about presenting evidence to the jury. None of that shit made any sense at all. But it's so cinematic. And you don't, you know, we have all said on this podcast in different variations and different films. We don't care how, like, that this stuff be quote-unquote realistic. Make it cinema first, and then you make it realistic on the back end. But first, make it cinema. And I, and I, and I thought that uh, Trier had a really good understanding of this will be compelling cinema and real life be damned. This is not real life. This is my movie. And I think more directors should take that approach when telling a story like this, especially a story that's not a true story. This is a fictional story. We can do whatever the fuck we want to. And I appreciated that boldness of that. Yeah, it's the first sort of like courtroom. Like, obviously, we've seen a lot of court dramas where one, they'll just change what happened. If it's like a real life story, they'll just change the facts of the case. But which I think is a little more gross considering this isn't like a real story. Um, but so they didn't have to do that. But it, 
we've seen where they're like, oh, well, that wouldn't happen. And we can pick apart like the American court system. This is really just like, I'm going to make something up from, I'm going to make something up from scratch, like wish casting my way into, into a courtroom. Because if you like saw like a normal court proceeding, court proceedings are boring. I've sat through enough. I've sat through enough um, as like a reporter. I, I had to go report on court cases a lot in my former life down in Beaumont, Texas, which, yeah, if you get the chance, really go sure sit in on one of those. Shit in the Beaumont courts. I'm sure yeah. you saw some shit in there. Go, go sit in on one of those. It'll be worth your time. But um, I, it, it's it's not as cinematic. They'll get up, but then the lawyer won't make a huge, grandiose, I object, I say, I say sort of thing. But they, <laughs> they most of the time, like this stuff is like, objection, overruled. Continue your continue your argument. Teed, you can speak more to this, but I mean you're not a trial attorney, but like I think that I think that it is um interesting to completely flip it all on its head. It's it's uh it's it's I am a I am a trial attorney. So Oh, I, you are? Oh, okay, my yeah, bad. I am. So it's it's very and it was very interesting watching it from that perspective just because I thought you were just signing you know, legal right. documents and stuff for, no, for big mega corporations. Sometimes I wish. <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I, it was very interesting to watch from that perspective just because you're right. Like 99% of the time, court is extremely boring. Like even for the people that have stakes in the proceeding, they still might be in the back falling asleep. So like they're like, the court is boring. And like the only real quote unquote highlights, you know, like if you're watching an American court drama, for example, the, the big, you know, the finale, the big moment that's going to give the most rousing passion from the guys that are playing the lawyer or the ladies that are playing the lawyer is going to be the closing argument. You don't really say much as a lawyer, except for in your, you know, in your opening and your closing in front of the jury, at least. Now, when the jury's gone, you're having passionate arguments in front of the judge, trying to make sure the trial's going the way that you think it should go based on the law. But you're not having those kind of passionate moments in front of the jury during the case. So in French court, it was like somebody you would elicit a piece of testimony from a witness and then the lawyer would comment on that testimony in a snarky ass way that would dunk on them right after they said it that's not like in my job if somebody says something stupid that i want to dunk on i gotta write it down and four days later five days later (laughs) 11 days later 13 days later i gotta dunk on them later and the jury might not even remember that they said that the jury's like uh okay well who cares Whereas you get to dunk on them in the moment. That changes everything because now I can look like I dunked on you three times. It doesn't matter what you say. If I dunked on you three times, the jury might think that you're not a believable witness. So that that dynamic changes everything. And I thought that was so fascinating. The prosecutor was just letting people put up nasty shots and blocking them shits to the 10th row immediately. And it was very entertaining to watch. Also, he was getting ascribed. He was ascribing things to the deceased that like, she has no like evidence to refute other than being like, nah, <laughs> his therapist is there. Like this was like the coolest client I've ever had. He wouldn't kill himself. And she's just like, well, what would you know? You're just a therapist, man. Like, <laughs> Also that, inter- yeah. that interaction was so cool because you have two people that know this person very well. Right. But they know him very differently. And like, you know, like Royden's married, for example, if you said Royden's therapist across from Royden's wife, they might have two very different pictures of him based on certain things because he has two very different conversations with these people. Right. So having her her versus his therapist 
was just such cool writing. And it was like, they're both right, but also they're both wrong. Because you you know, you can never know what he's like as a husband, just like she can never know what he's like as a patient because he might be sharing things with a therapist that he would never share with his wife. And seeing that dynamic play out was so cool. It was so dope. Um, I was going to make some jokes, but I'm just going to like plead the fifth. <laughs> I'm just going to just gonna move past that. <laughs> oh, shut up. Um, it, you know, it's also because like we were talking about, she's always testifying. It, it really doesn't allow for the lawyer to be like, Hey, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like hey, you're killing me here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> in America, you just be like, shush, shush. Play the fifth, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was one part in the movie where it, I, I vividly remember, like he ascribed the 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 DA is what I'm just going to call him. Uh, he ascribed something to to him, basically, be, to the deceased being basically like, well, so she, you know. So he was like a loving husband and a, you know, father or whatever. And you drove him to kill himself or something like that. Basically you, you drove him insane. And she was like, no. And he was, he was like, he was like, yes. It's like, <laughs> how do you? <laughs> or like the, the part where he was like, he, she said, no, he said, it? what you're saying isn't true basically. And it's just like, how do you get to tell me what I'm saying? Isn't true. The French part court. when she, Amazing. when he was like, so you cheated on him like all the time like you were just out here just fucking anybody she was like well no uh well uh i don't know and then so you cheated on him twice with two different women and she was (laughs) like yes but no but but i i was like this is amazing i wish court was actually like this this is so good (laughs) court tv would be popping off every single day they could They'd have to like update a the servers. TV show like reunion. If court was school, like that, <laughs> there would be a camera in every courtroom in America, and everybody would be watching that shit. Like it, it's so entertaining. It's just like, but like having it, lawyers would be movie stars. Like they would be the biggest stars on TV because they're just barring people up. They don't give a shit about whether this person is guilty or not. If I could bar you up, I could get famous because people would just watch me make you look stupid. Like it, it, they're, they're basically like Jerry Springer or more. Everyone would be Johnny Cochran. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't know. I don't have much more to say about this movie. It got I have, I have five a question. Oscar. Go ahead. I might have not been paying enough attention or whatever, but there's like a scene in the courtroom where like the DA, the prosecutor guy, he just like doesn't show up, I guess. And then they're like, where the hell is he? What what happened there? Did I miss something? What's going on? What? He just like what doesn't, do doesn't show, up, show to up to court on time or something. And they like stop court for a little bit. Oh, uh, no. She walks out. It, I think that was to say that the son wanted to re-testify uh, or give new testi- testimony. Yeah. That's their moment of like, oh, the son actually wants to change his story, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, which is so interesting because yeah, it's like it does do the you know how who's who can we trust in this thing pretty well because his story changes a million times throughout the movie. But the fact that you're not trusting exactly. But the fact so the fact that the testimony like the trial hinged on his on his new testimony, 
of not actually the the murder or suicide was interesting. In fact, Tej, would you allow someone to read? You wouldn't even allow someone to retestify or change their statement, would you? Uh, I mean, the, the judge, you could get back up there and say whatever you want to, but I'm going to kick your teeth in on closing arguments because I'm going to say, you should just throw this witness out altogether. This witness told you a whole story. Now, the fact that he's a kid makes it tricky, right? And so I would try to not let him back, go back up there, but you're probably not going to be able to not let somebody testify who's the key person in the case. Now, but the fact I can use it, I can use their past testimony to basically impeach them. So it would look bad, but it would be very tricky because if you kick a kid's teeth in, the jury's going to look at you like shit and you want to be very careful because there's nothing more sympathetic than a kid who's crying and his mom is on trial. They'd be like, kid, you're a fucking liar. Like, you can't do that. You, you got to <laughs> Well, yeah, the DA didn't even get back partially blind out. kid. Yeah, literally a, a partially <laughs> blind kid. <laughs> you didn't see shit. You can't see shit. <laughs> How would you know? What time was it? <laughs> what tape was it, buddy? What tape? <laughs> yeah, uh, this got a best editing nomination, which I think was actually deserved specifically for that. I think it got it specifically for that one argument scene because you can kind of tell. I didn't have. I don't have surround sound in my house, but you can kind of tell that they taped the record. They taped the argument and then superimposed it over them or at least made it sound like them arguing and then eventually faded into the real argument. Yeah. Um, while they're, you know, while their mouths are moving and stuff like that. And so it sounds like the tape recorder playing, but they're having it out on screen. You can see it play out. Eventually it fades into the real argument and then fades out when the violence happens. And it's really like stunning how well that it's done. The sounds of the violence were so, like, when they get to the violence and the fact that we go back to just sound, it sounds so much, not to say that violence is, is like, is good or bad, right? But, like, the what actually it sounds like is so much worse than what they explain, or at least what she says happened, right? It sounds like she's murdering him. Like, it, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. sounds are so fucking graphic. And then she's just like, oh, yeah, I threw a lamp at him. He didn't like that. And then, I, and then he grabbed me. And it's like, but it sounded like she was murdering that man, and I just thought that was so. It was so cool to not show that, just because it puts you back to the audio. And I thought it was a very cool editing trick. I agree with that. Legitimately shocking when they played that tape because, like, you watch her earlier in the movie, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I like bump my arm into the counter all the time. Like that's how I got those booze or whatever." And like, you don't you don't really believe her, but you're like, I'm sure whatever it is, like, it doesn't implicate her as a murderer. And then you hear the audio and you're like, oh, she might be a murderer. <laughs> she, might, she might be murdering him. Like, if we, didn't, if we didn't know that he died by falling off the thing, I'd be like, oh, this is the tape where she murdered that man. Like, she murdered him right there in the kitchen. Also, how convenient that he records everything during the day, <laughs> but hasn't recorded this one interaction <laughs> where he meets his demise, you know? Very, uh, very convenient. Yeah, we need a, we need the stand tape. <laughs> How do I get off the bridge now? <laughs> All right. Um, nominated for five Oscars. Uh, best motion picture of the year. Justin Trier for writing and directing. Sandra Hewler and then best achievement in film editing. So there was that. Uh, 
I do want to talk about real quick. Um, just before we get into the other two, the other two movies that y'all saw that I haven't seen because I haven't been out of the house, but um, they announced that they're making a new category for the Oscars for best casting in a film. Wait, oh, I totally missed this. This happened. Yeah, I also missed this. This is news to me. Yeah. I was about what? to run the story today in the news, but they uh, announced it will take place next year. So best casting in a film. So some casting directors will now uh, get Academy Awards. Um, oh, this is dope as hell. I, I am, I am with this. This is amazing. Which on this podcast, we have said we are all for new awards at this made up award show. Bring them all. Yes. Um, but this just furthers to me, not to take anything away from casting directors, obviously, like that can make or break a film, obviously, if you have the right people in it. But uh, we just we just don't have a stunt category yet. We went with the best casting directors we do first. Need a stunt category. Please give us a stunt category, please. We do need the stunt category. The Tom Cruise <laughs> best memorial stunt performance of the year. The Tom Cruise inaugural best performer, best stunt performer, best performance by a stunt person is going to move mountains. It's going to feed families. I need it so badly. I need it so badly. <laughs> and when I actually, they should have two. They should have best stunt performer and best stunt coordination because I think I that's agree. an art into in and of itself. Because you're watching some of the John Wick stuff, and you're like, if they didn't have the right guy making all, like making all these moves, someone's getting killed. Someone's gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> someone's going to die. Exactly. Maybe a lot of people actually. But <laughs> anyway, I just found that interesting. Just wanted to run that by you. Yeah, so, that was cool. I didn't know that was happening. Yeah. Can y'all give me a couple films that if this if this award existed this year? Uh, who y'all would nominate? Uh, what films you would nominate for best casting? Hillary's of the Flower Moon. Uh, Mission that Impossible was my first Dead Reckoning well. Part One. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. <laughs> let me let me, go back. let me go back through the movies that I've watched. Poor this Things. Is, poor Things would be great because who yeah, the fuck are those people? <laughs> I would nominate Barbie. Bar- the Barbie cast Barbie. is Barbie just is it's just so good, man. Uh, theater camp, maybe. True, <laughs> love that. Um, I mean Oppenheimer. Yeah, they we got get a one. lot of kids that are good in that movie. Oppenheimer's ensemble cast is great, uh, but it's really just like put movie stars in here and let them cook, sort of thing. Um, what a purple. great idea this is. I can't even name one casting director, and obviously we watch a ton of movies, so now these will make these names. Uh, more prominent to me because now I have to look at them in terms of my research for Oscars, and I like that. This is a this is a great addition. We want more awards. Why not have more Oscar awards? Give us some stunt awards. Uh, we didn't love that uh, pop Oscar idea, but even if they gave us the pop Oscar idea, I'm don't let that. people vote. Like, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, I well, I don't want people to vote on it. But if you did, if you just made a completely trash category like best trash film that Americans the dudes love. I'm in. I'm fucking dude, in. That way we can dominate TV Tom Cruise. Dudes Rock Award. Yes, dudes Rock absolutely. Oscar Award. Best performance in Dudes Rock movies. I'm in. Uh, uh, and also, The Boy and the Heron and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I was going to say Mutant Mayhem. Like That could have been where we got a bit. Because like, that, that cast yeah. was very good. That cast was cooking. 
Also, I don't know how you quantify this and people smarter than me will know. And you know, a good one when you hear it, you know, kind of a, you don't always recognize a bad performance, but like best uh, voice performance in a movie, I think needs to start to become a thing too. And I think it eventually will be. Agreed. I think that should definitely happen. Like, can y'all tell this, me what? Go ahead, Roy. No, just put more awards in this dumb award show. Yes, uh, turn that up. We we all we are we're all on board with that. Can y'all tell me uh, what y'all been watching since we did our last episode, which was our okay. Oscar episode? I put it in the title. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, the uh, Argyle and the Beekeeper. Teej, we'll go you last because you have a DNF on the beekeeper. <laughs> but uh, obviously, I think it was like number one at the box office, maybe just because nothing else. This is nothing truly a dumpuary right now. Like, yes. movie studios, put your shit out now, please. Like, please. Save have, us. We will go. I promise. <laughs> if you have a decent movie, you can make a billion dollars. Not a billion because nobody kind of people are like snowed in or whatever. There's a reason they don't do it in January and February. But. There are slates here between between January and June where you can just put shit out and no one does it. And honestly, if you have a good movie, you can just leave it there like that entire right. time and people yeah. will just eventually go see it. You can be elemental. You can just You could have put Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning in theaters at the end of February and it would have dominated until Oppenheimer came out. Oppenheimer and Barbie came out. But they didn't. They put it out a week before. Anyway, uh, Argyle. Uh, sure. Dear God, what a stinker. <laughs> if I had been watching this movie at home, which like uh, some amount of people will do because it'll be on Apple TV Plus, like who knows how many people have that and will watch Argyle. But if I had been watching this movie at home, there's no way I would have made it all the way through. But because I had already committed to driving to a theater, I was like, screw it. I'll just sit here and see how this movie ends. The problem is it just refuses to end. It just like, it just keeps going and going and going with the most batshit insane nothing plot. Like and the the entire plot. It's it's a MacGuffin plot, which like fine, it's a dumb action movie, that's cool. It's, but the MacGuffin is literally just called the Master File. I don't tell you what the Master File is for. They don't tell you what they're gonna do with it. They don't tell you what's in it. They don't tell you what like what happens if the bad guys get it. There's nothing that happens if the good guys get it. It's just the master file. We gotta get it. We gotta download it. Cool. That goes on for like two and a half hours. <laughs> like Bryce Dallas Howard and this other guy, I don't remember who plays him, chasing down Sam the master file. <laughs> it's just so stupid. And like there's a plot twist that happens in the middle of the movie that's kind of like a little eye roll inducing it's like okay whatever fine by the way that plot to us was spoiled like two years ago oh really cool i think Wait, so yeah what how did it get spoiled two years ago i think it was in like a variety article oh, oh shit <laughs> <laughs> Gross. i missed that because there's no way i was ever going to actually read press about this movie <laughs> but that happens and you're just like whatever but then the movie just like keeps keeps twisting. Like there's more twists keep happening, and it's just twist for the sake of twist, misdirection for misdirection's sake. You get to the end of the movie, and you're like, I don't know what's happening anymore, and I also don't care because like, what the fuck is a master file? Like <laughs> what's hap- What the fuck is going on? And uh, 
Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell do like a literal like ballroom dance scene where they're like shooting people while ballroom dancing, basically. And it's the corniest shit I've ever seen in my life. They're like throwing like rainbow color bombs at people and like shooting them at the same time while they're ballroom dancing. It's just so, so bad. Do not watch this movie. <laughs> Don't watch it at home. Don't watch it in the theater. Just ignore it. Pretend it never happened. Dual Leap is only in it for like two seconds. <laughs> You're wasting your time. Don't do this. What what grade would you give this film? F. It stinks. Whoa. <laughs> right, you saw this too, right? No, I was I was oh. gonna I wanted to see something and I was going to and I thought we may review it on here or something, but then uh the, the Lord actually saved me by giving me the, the cooties, I think. <laughs> Yikes! So, I I wanted to go. Big home. man upstairs saved me from from bad cinema. I think I was watching. As soon as I saw that trailer, theater by myself, literally just me, only person watching Argyle, and I'm just sitting there like, "Why is this my life? <laughs> what did I do?" <laughs> also, just it also proves that like bombarding marketing doesn't work either. Yeah, I I don't know why it flopped as hard as it did because like people will go see a bad movie. Like it, it can't be just that it was bad. Like there had to be something wrong. <laughs> they made eighteen million dollars in the first weekend on a two hundred million dollar movie. Eighteen yeah. million dollars. Well, that's the other thing. It has. I mean, people will go see a bad movie, but it has to be something that people want to go watch. People don't want to go watch. Tj, I don't know if you listened to the big picture recently, the new one today. That he made. Finnessy made a good point. Like people don't want to go watch these like they're no longer like action comedies anymore. There's something different and like cheesy and people don't want to go watch like cheesy action comedies anymore. Like it needs to be something of substance and it also needs to look good because this also just didn't look good. Even in, it does not even in the commercials. So like, why am I going to go see something that looks bad? So it's, it's crazy to me. They, they, Napoleon made $219 million worldwide and it still did not turn a profit. Making movies at these extreme budgets is just crazy. Obviously, Argyle is a complete and massive flop by any measure. But some of these movies, Killers of Far Moon made $156 million and globally and it didn't turn a profit. Like, if you're make, generating this much money worldwide and you're still not turning a profit, like, maybe you got to do something about the price of your movie because. Napoleon was successful, although it kind of stinks. It's successful, but it's expensive as hell. Those set pieces have thousands of people like doing a war scene. This is not CGI. They actually did that shit for that film. And for what? And maybe you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you need <laughs> to do that. The the viewing audience is it's it's just changed. Like you, you just have to make something that people are, you know, that now millennials care about i mean the the buying power i mean it still is with we know it still is with the boomers in gen x but like what drives the market is with people our age and, and even younger so also it might be time to have the conversation that apple tv doesn't know how to make money like i don't <laughs> they might <laughs> yes. they can Turn run an option up. campaign like 
I think their app is pretty good. Like, you know, the, the yeah. interface and all that's good. Yeah, that's make, pretty, apps go. make pretty good TV shows. Make pretty good TV shows. I don't think they know how to make money. I don't think they figured that out yet. Which is like, that's fine. Netflix hasn't figured that out either. Netflix doesn't have a Best Picture winner, so like, suck it. But uh, Apple TV Plus got to figure out how to make some money with these movies. They're not hurting for it. They can literally... <laughs> they, they're, they, they can just piss away the rest of this shit. It does not matter. This is, Argyle is a drop in the bucket to them. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Hey, uh, the new iPhone. It's coming, baby. Yeah, exactly. When we all upgrade our watches because they stop working all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> sure. Uh, Tej, talk about the other movie that has actually been pretty successful. Yeah, they're making money. David um, Ayer is the a beekeeper. Bum. David Ayer is a bum. He, this is the guy <laughs> that made the first Suicide Squad movie. That shit stunk. That Oof. shit was absolutely ass. He also made Bright, another movie that fucking stinks. Oof. The beekeeper is awful. And 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 uh, people disagree with me on this because critics have generally liked it. And I don't don't come at me with the that's oh, like a seventy three on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. Most people who took before I watched the movie told me that they watched the people that told me they watched it, they said they enjoyed it. And don't hit me with the hey, it's just a dumb action movie. Who cares? Have have fun. I love dumb action movies. I love Jason Statham movies specifically. I have watched the Meg about ten times. I watched the Meg two three times already. That shit just came out last year. You called like dumb action cinema. movies. This movie. It's awful. This is one of the worst written films I've ever seen. The dialogue is really, really bad. Not comically bad to where you can have a good time with it. Bad enough to where you're like, no, seriously, what are we doing with the writing of this film? The plot is a complete mess. The two FBI agents that they cast might be the two worst actors I've ever seen. The actor and actress. (laughs) The actress that plays the lead FBI agent is quite literally one of the worst actors I've ever seen. I'm not even going to say her name because I want to disrespect her during Black History Month. But she fucking stinks. This movie is awful. I walked out of this movie right before the final set piece. I made it like a good way through the movie. Before the final set piece, I said, I don't care. I literally don't care. I don't care how this film is. This film stinks. I haven't walked out of a movie in a long time. Since before the pandemic is when I walked out of my last movie. I walked out of The Beekeeper. And I wasn't the first one Incredible. in the theater to walk out of the movie. Two other people walked out of this movie. There are probably wow. 15 people in the theater. Two other people walked out of this movie theater before I did. The plot is a it makes the plot is a complete mess. There are random scenes where things happen where you're like, I think something got cut because something doesn't make sense about how we got from point A to point B. And it happened like three times where I was like, did I miss something? No, something just got cut. There's some kind of weird air, and now all of a sudden we're here. And now this is our new situation, but it doesn't make sense how we got from this scene from the previous scene. It's just a mess. It's not the cast isn't good. The action is fine, but the action isn't good enough to like make you compelled in the film. It's not like, oh my god, the action is amazing. It's just okay. It's just Jason Statham beating the shit out of people, which is hilarious, but it's not enough to make you invested in the film. I hated it. I hated everything about the Beekeeper. I wanted to have a good time. I went in there to have a dumb, fun dudes rock time. And I just couldn't get with the beekeeper. I know some people like it. I don't know what they see in this film. I, I generally don't know, but I hated it. I would give it an F. And I bet you that Argyle is probably a better movie than the beekeeper if you sat and watched both of them. <laughs> what was the, the uh, what was the nail in the coffin that made There's you walk out? This, 
it was really the FBI agents. You spent a lot of time with these FBI agents. They are written so flat and they're so stupid and their dialogue is written so poorly. The the the, the main FBI agent is a, is a black woman. Like I said, her mother dies in the beginning of the movie. So she shows up on the scene of the crime to see her dead mother's body. She never drops one tear. In fact, the acting from her was so bad that I just assumed that although they don't show you how the mom died, because you don't know how the mom died, I assumed the daughter must have killed her mother because the acting was that bad to where it was like, <laughs> that has to be intentional. And spoiler alert, she did not kill her mom. She's just a regular cop who's mourning her mom. But the way that she mourns is the worst possible way to mourn that I've ever seen, even in a dumb action movie. It, her performance is like, it, it makes it, it literally makes no sense. It's one of the worst performances that I've seen in years on a movie screen. And I've seen a lot of bad performances on a movie screen. She was horrible. You spend Incredible. a lot of time with the FBI agents. And then the dialogue is just bad because he's a beekeeper. So we have to keep making these comparisons between bees and what he's doing in the movie. Oh, God. Bees are always <laughs> protecting the hive. The bee, the, the bees care about the queen. If the queen is compromised, the bees will mobilize. And we keep doing this thing, but we do it in the form of the FBI agents who's trying to figure out why he's acting in the way that he's acting. And we keep on making bee comparisons. It's just a really, really bad written movie. There's a, there's a minimum threshold of how bad the writing can be before I'm completely out. The dialogue and the writing of this movie is F-tier stuff, and I could not get over that to enjoy the action parts. I, I just couldn't. I just could not. Incredible. Well done. Good job, guys. Uh, I, I did appreciate watch Dune again, though. I did watch no. Dune again. You know how I feel about Dune. I also said on this podcast that I would not watch Dune again, but I was having some trouble sleeping the other night. I put no. Dune on. <laughs> I fell asleep, and... 19 minutes. 19 minutes of the dude. <laughs> I slept Damn. the best sleep of my life. But I will say, in dude's credit, I, I when I got home the next day after work, I put it back on. Not to fall asleep this time. I was like wide awake. And I finished it. And it looks great. It sounds great. Beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. It's just boring. There's only one set piece in the whole movie. I know the next one's going to be full of set pieces. And that seems like it's going to be fun because the set piece itself in the middle of this movie, when those explosions starts, I felt something. This shit means something to me. When that, when they had the one battle that you have in the whole movie, I was yeah. like, this is great. This is really fun to watch. They are blowing shit up. These fucking, the, the, we, the way that the weapons work, they're zapping shit, shit's blowing up. I'm like, this is good. And then that scene ends and it's like, okay, movie over. Zendaya was in the movie for five minutes and we got one set piece that was awesome. And, and also, I felt nothing. Like every character <laughs> in this man's family is dying, Facts. and I'm Facts. like, "Oh, okay, cool, <laughs> neat." <laughs> I figured out what my big gripe is with this. Everybody in the movie is giving the exact same performance, except for Momoa. Everybody is what the most serious, I the most angry, the <laughs> most no. This is the most important thing ever. Everybody is stone faced the whole time. You have a great actress as his mother. You have a great actress as his father. And they quite literally have nothing to do because they are giving the same exact performance to a T. They are making the same facial expressions. They are giving the same amount of emotion. It's so intense that it's like you have to take this movie like 3% less seriously and let the actors 
give the nuanced performances that they can give because we know that they're amazing. And instead, tell me everybody's flat about any of these people. Like, who, what? Who are you? Why do I care? His, like, what? his dad died. What I didn't give a shit. I didn't care. Matter. I didn't care at all. Oscar Isaac died in the movie. And you're like, well, okay, goodbye. Well, well, guess he won't be in part two. That was the thought I had the first time and the second time. Like, okay, no Oscar Isaac for part two. That's all I felt. That's all I felt. Touch your ass like it. Damn. (laughs) Damn, he's not going to be in Rush Hour (laughs) 2. Great beard on Oscar Isaac, though. Fantastic. I said, go back and listen to our Dune podcast. Y'all ripped me a new one for when I said that Timmy Timmy Chalamet whisper talked his way through that goddamn movie. And y'all were like, y'all were like, no, I think it's a good performance. I I loved when he put his hand in the box. I'm like, he's not doing, he's giving nothing. He put his hand in the box. That was real cinema. Otherwise, he stands in the box. That hand in the box still goes crazy, bro. It works. I'm supposed to. I don't even know what was happening in that box, but I felt so. Follow this man into battle. Give me a fucking break. (laughs) He's the chosen one. Him. No, but yeah, Duncan Idaho, rad. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. (laughs) Josh Brolin is having such a serious performance, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs about how intense this situation is. But he also has to say the name Duncan Idaho and try to not like crack a smile. That's the dumbest name ever. And, and, and the it's the dumbest thing ever at all. Even when they die, you're like, the stakes still don't seem that high. Like, I don't know what we're talking about. I do Spice. love. There's like, it, I, the author of this book is like Josh Brolin's name is like Gunnery Halleck and like, and like <laughs> Duke Leto Atreides, but in. Zendaya's name is Chani or whatever. And then it's just like Paul in Duncan, Idaho. <laughs> and his mom's name's Jessica. Like he just ran out of ideas. Paul. <laughs> the chosen one. Paul. Is Paul. <laughs> that being said, I am in there day one for Doom Part 2. I will be I there. am also will be seated. I will be seated. Hashtag support I will, you. I will be there. Um Christopher Nolan. Uh, it's just been on the campaign trail. He, he said that Doom Part Two is Denny Villeneuve's Empire Strikes Back, which it better be. Can continue and carry in water, man, for the rest of cinema. He's out here standing on uh, Tom Cruise's shoulders. I was gonna say, is he the new Tom Cruise? Is he He's a new Tom the, Cruise. The, that was my theater. first thought when I saw that quote. I said, "Yeah, Tom Cruise told me that the Flash was going to change my life." Tom Cruise, who is my hero. And my oh, goat looked me in my face and lied right to my face. Can't win them all. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't known Christopher Nolan to, to lie, but like Tom Cruise does be lying a little bit. That's true. He does. He does be getting his lies off. Yeah, not as much as The Shout Rock, out. but he's not, he's not honest Abe. Let's just say that. Yeah. Shout out to the Flash, uh, major superhero film, outgrossed by Taylor Swift. We'd love to see it. Uh, I put it. I, that's the worst movie I saw. It, it isn't, but it is. The, it's the worst movie I saw last year. Um, so uh, what we're watching. Speaking of Apple TV, uh, that has been the shows that I'm. I watched Masters of the Air. I'm on episode. We're, we're episode four just dropped right now. Um, I'm I'm here to say, uh, dudes rock and and real cinema is back. Real war cinema, dad cinema is back. 
I've heard good things about this. I haven't seen Apple it TV's got some good shit going on over there on the TV side, man. Some um, really good shit. Also, slow slow horses. I'm like a season behind, but with Gary Oldman, really really great show. Gary Oldman's like the grossest dude imaginable in that show. Um, really good sort of crime thriller espionage show, um, and you can binge it because there's are they've been they they pump that show out in like a half a year. And they just yeah. like get it out there. So there's like three. They're on like season three already, right? Or maybe I think four. they're gonna drop four in like a week. So yeah. But did y'all uh, hear that McConaughey is gonna be in the in the new Yellowstone spinoff? Did y'all hear that? Hell, hell yes. Y'all know we've been talking about Yellowstone on this pod, and I've been saying for all this time that I'm gonna tap in. If this is true, I will be tapping into the Yellowstone universe. I will. Yeah. I will be there. I will the one, be there. I mean, they get stars, and the one with the 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 two spinoffs that they've had are really good, and the one with Harrison Ford I think is really good. Like they allow stars to do star things in their show. Like, like the camera is just on, uh, what's his face? Why am I Costner for like ninety percent of that show? It feels like I I am in. I need to tap in. I need to um, tap all the way. But also, in. Costner just like straight up abandoned that show because he wanted to make his like two part. Yeah, two hundred million like a, dollar like a, epic like western, nine, like a nine-hour western epic. <laughs> yeah, that has the longest title I've ever seen for a movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like uh, like an American side. What's it called? Uh, but yeah, he just stopped getting paid like ten million dollars an episode to to bankroll his own two-part epic western. Wasn't this only because they because they changed the schedule and he liked the new schedule? This is literally what this breaks down to. Yeah, men instead of going to therapy, men will just make a Western epic that's called Horizon and American Saga Part One. Yeah, and then Horizon and American Saga Chapter Two. Yeah, Dash Chapter Two. He's putting one out like in like June, and then the other one out in like December, in the same year. Okay, cool. Um, they trying to do that schedule. With- he said, "I'll show you." I'm yeah. gonna make my own Western epic. It's probably gonna be so bad. I will be seated on that one. Though. Yeah, I will be there. Absolutely. And uh, he tried to do something like that with like Wyatt Earp back in the day. He tried to make like a four-hour Wyatt Earp film, and that movie tanked. <laughs> like Tombstone <laughs> really succeeded at the same time Wyatt Earp came out. There's a whole backstory behind that about how they were supposed to be the same movie, and then they split, and then everything else. But then his like. People are like, no, thank you. I'll go see the cool one. Um, really <laughs> yeah. quick. But yeah, other than that, I started watching. Um, I called it cry porn on here the other day because I wanted to see uh, because of. Are you talking about oh, this is us? This is us. Yeah. yeah, this is I wanted to. This is us. Hold on. I, why am I blanking on the star? Sterling K. Brown. Sterling K. K. Brown. So, I was like, OK, so. Everybody loves him. He was nominated for an Oscar. I've shat on this show for being just like melodramatic cry porn without having watched it for several years. All of the seasons, all the episodes are on Netflix now. I'm like three seasons into it. (laughs) (laughs) It'll get you. I used to watch that show religiously. And then there was like one, I don't remember which season it was. I think it might have been season three or four. Where I got like an episode behind, and that turned into two episodes, and that turned into me just never watching the show again. How it happens, yeah. I'm surprised you watched that much of a TV show, Dex. It must be really good. Yeah, that was uh, 
back when it was originally airing. So before I quit watching TV. <laughs> Look, it's not the best thing that I've ever seen, but like for network television, especially like on NBC, not it's bad. just really well written and It'll grab you. Yeah, it it just it. I like a family dynamic, especially like interplay between siblings, because you don't see a lot of shows. I don't know, like that, that like it's the siblings are the main focus, whereas instead of the pilot episode, that's so good. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Grabs you really fast. Um, If nobody saw that coming. Did you you finish the leftovers? I did finish the leftovers. Did you think Um, that he nailed the finish? Because obviously that's coming off of loss where everybody was fucking furious about how he wrapped up the show. So, well, you know, he had to get it right. From what I know about Lost is that it just went on. It was like supposed to be like a season long show, and then it went on for a, a hundred episodes because <laughs> it was on Fox instead of on HBO, where they'll just end shit. Um, but uh, no, I thought it was a really not to get too like existential or anything with it, but like I I, I thought it was a really interesting look at grief and loss and addiction, all in like one all-encompassing interesting mystery and the fact that they don't show you the mystery at the very end is really interesting i think that may have pissed some people off but i thought it was a really great acting by carrie coon in the very ending episode um and you know it kind of it kind of is interesting because it's all leading up to like what happened to these people and then it's just a long monologue about like what's what she knows to be true in her her mind or whatever, and you have to choose mm-hmm. to believe that or not. I thought it was really interesting. Um, would I have probably liked to have seen rather than, than being told? Yeah, because I'm a big dumb idiot. But <laughs> I thought it was it. It allowed me to form the picture in my mind, and that was enough. It was like reading a book, kind of like where you get to form your own opinion about how it looks, the world looks in your mind. And um, no, I thought it was. I thought it was instead of just the mystery a better exploration of loss and grief than I think something has done in a long time. Nice. I don't, I'm, it's not like people are calling it like their top shows of all time. I wasn't quite there with it, but I like, but I really like, enjoyed it. I, yeah. I, there's way worse shows that uh, this is us yeah. is a worse show than what I'm like, than <laughs> binging 28 episodes of that show. What are you watching? Dex? I know you're not watching TV. What films are you been watching? I'm watching reality TV. I watched uh, I'm Vanderpump Rules is back, the greatest reality show in American history. Uh, nothing will ever top Love Island, but that's not an American show. So Love Island Vanderpump is Rules. real cinema, real, real, real cinema. That shit is incredible. Yeah, I I love Love Island. I can't do it every year because it comes out every goddamn day, but <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, but Vanderpump Rules is back, and that comes out once a week, and I can do that. Uh, I saw American Fiction finally, and I really enjoyed that one. I know y'all saw it before I did, so we didn't get to like talk about it on here. But really good movie. I was expecting it to be a little, little funnier than it was. Like obviously it has funny parts, but I, it's not like as comedic as I was expecting it to be. It obviously a way more, way more like heart, family drama, family tragedy stuff in it than I was expecting. But that works. I'll probably watch it again. I don't know if I get to it again before the Oscars happen, but uh, yeah, just another really enjoyable Best Picture nominee this year. This has been a solid year. Yeah, I've seen nine out of the ten movies, and 
I've liked them all so far. I don't think I'm gonna like Zone Adventures very much, but like you nine won't. for ten ain't bad. Yeah, Roy, how many I, have you seen? Nine of ten. Zone of Interest is your only outlier Zone too. Zone of Interest because I can't not wait for y'all to watch this film. I literally cannot no wait way. for y'all to watch this film. Like you can't so even you, rent you it. You can't. You can't. You can't watch it. But I can't wait to the day that you can watch it. I can't wait to hear what y'all think about this film. Cinemark does like a like a Oscars week where they where where they'll roll out um, the Oscars films, and so maybe eventually it will come to Parts Unknown, Waco, Texas, but. Um, <laughs> So that's probably I'll probably see it in fucking March, but it's not even yeah you can't even rent it anywhere, which is which like come on. just let me do that like I just yeah. did it for Anatomy of a Fall. I will do that. Like yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Five bucks, I, I will do it right now. <laughs> yeah, let me watch a stupid movie. Exactly. So uh, yeah, nine out of nine out of ten for me. I am worried next year or or this year rather. I keep the movie year doesn't start for me until the Oscars are over, but uh, yeah. that's I'm. I'm worried uh, it's just going to be Dune. Like, that's just going to what's going to be dominate the Oscars next year. Probably. I mean, it dominated the Oscars the first time, but it wasn't even good. One, yeah, so. it won six last time. But <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm just as worried. As long as we can, if we can get a Florence Pugh nomination out of it, I'll take that. Here's she hadn't been in those be. trailers once. Hey, relax. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need another Austin Butler cycle. Timothy Chalamet, there's no way it's not happening. Did y'all hear that Austin Butler hired a, a, a voice coach to get rid of his Elvis accent? Did y'all see that headline? For Masters it of the Air, let me, me tell you. So mad. Let me tell you, it ain't gone. <laughs> it ain't gone. That's not your voice. You can just that's, stop doing that's that. That's not your voice. Just stop doing it. Just <laughs> <You stop. don't. laughs> No one has to coach you to talk. Nor- to stop. Like, There's no one on the planet that naturally sounds like Elvis. That's not a thing. That's, that's not, really your, not a thing. You live your entire life talking normally. Just <laughs> do be normal. Just do that. I think the guy has like he's like 30 years old now. We're we're used to he's in the fucking like Hannah Montana show back in the day, so we've seen him forever. But like he has like I think a naturally deep register, but like. You don't sound like Elvis, brother. You're from like. You don't have to do this. You're from like Orange County, you know. <laughs> we know, like, it, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not completely gone in Masters of the Air either. Like, you can still catch it on the right time, and like people spoke differently in 1940. But mm. also, you did all of this just to lose to Bridget Fraser in a fast suit. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That would haunt me. That would drive me crazy. I would say I hate to see it, but I don't. <laughs> I'm fine. That's actually it. insane. That we really did the Brendan Fraser thing. Yeah, you you ruined your life. You ruined your voice, apparently, and you have to hire a coach to fix it. Brendan Fraser literally just took the fat suit off, and that was it. Like, <laughs> he went back he got, to his day. He got to go home. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tej, you watching anything besides the Beekeeper and Walking Out? Uh, uh, I, I'm still watching True Detective. We're still going. I'm oh yeah, not, I'm watching True Detective as well. It's, yeah. it's I'm not as high on it as season one, obviously, but I am enjoying it uh, for sure. This last um, episode wasn't good. Yeah, I, I'm totally. I'm right with you. I was like, all right, a lot is happening right now, but I don't know how good this is. So mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy the last, but we'll see how they ended. 
Um, I caught up on Abbott Elementary, so Abbott just started season three. So now I'm caught up so I can start season three and try to be weekly. I've never watched it weekly. I've always binged it, so I'm probably going to try to watch it weekly. Abbott's good, man. It's just solid. Every yeah. episode's good. It's not going to laugh out loud, hilarious, but it's so solid, so well-written, and I am enjoying it. I think that's all I'm watching in terms of TV shows and movies. I told you all the movies that I've seen since the last time uh, we talked, which I think is just Dune and The Beekeeper. I uh, still haven't seen Mean Girls. I'm fighting the good fight. I'm just going to wait to watch that at home. I hated the Beekeeper trailer, so I feel mad that I didn't trust my initial judgment. I also hated the Argyle trailer. I just hated it. I, the first time I saw it, I was like, that doesn't look good. Um, and I'm learning to trust myself more with the trailers because it, I realized that my percentage last year was great in terms of my initial thought about whether a movie would be good or bad based on my first time seeing the trailer. Um, and speaking of that, we got some fucking amazing trailers over the last couple of weeks. We are fucking back, bros. That that uh, that uh, a quiet place prequel. That's just going to feed families. We are back. We are fucking back. It will stun all of you to learn that I have not seen either the quiet place movie. What? <laughs> what? Oh no, no. Why am not stunned by that? Those movies are horrifying. They're terrifying. They're not. Yeah, scary. They're more like thrillers. They're not like they're like sci-fi thrillers. They're no, not... the stuff they're doing with sound in that movie theater scared the shit out of me. It's so quiet in there. It's I so scary. I'm a coward. <laughs> I've had the boat t- the theaters were packed, even the post-pandemic one or in the pandemic when the second one came out. We were in there breathing on each other, man. It was like <laughs> I the funnest time I've had in theaters in like the past two times that I've watched those the those were in theaters. John they are Krasinski. great theater experiences. They are great. I saw someone online that said they hadn't seen the two movies, and I was like, watch them, they're great, but make sure you see them before we go to the third one. Which you actually don't even have to watch these before you see the third one. Yeah, but third watch the third one in theaters. The, the the way that the sound works is top notch. It's phenomenal. It's it's great. Also, I didn't watch this full movie because like I I didn't have the time. But I went back and watched some scenes from The Northman the other day because somebody sent like a clip from The Northman. Yeah, in it our went chat. Back viral. Yeah, uh, dude, that movie rules. <laughs> 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 That movie's so good. That Fucking rocks. I, I bought it for my brother. for. I bought a bunch of Blu-rays for my family because last year we did, or two years ago, we did a bit where, okay, I wanted to read more books this year. So I read enough books to like give to my siblings and my parents as like Christmas presents. Like, hey, I read this and I thought of you sort of thing. We wanted to start a tradition in our household. I like that. That's dope. Well, this year we I, I didn't fucking read enough books. So I... Uh, <laughs> I, so you gave I, it everyone in your family the Northman? No, I gave, <laughs> I gave my brother the Northman, and I gave uh, I gave out yeah DVDs or not DVDs. I gave out Blu-rays to everyone, not even knowing if they even had a Blu-ray player in their house anymore. But <laughs> That's I was like, fire. I'm stealing that for this year. I'm stealing yeah. that. That's great. So I was like, these are movies that I have watched recently, and so I gave like my mom Belfast. I gave my brother the Northman. I gave my sister-in-law Everything Everywhere All at Once. I gave my sister Maggie, uh, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. And then I gave my dad the uh, John Wick box set. Hell yeah, This brother. is a phenomenal way to give give uh, give gifts. I, I am very jealous of this. I'm stealing this. Well, and at a certain point, like right before Christmas or like Black Friday or whatever, Blu-rays on like Blu-ray.com, just simple, 
you can find like really good movies for like five bucks. So how many copies I, of the Northman can I buy? Because I'm only giving people copies of the Northman. You're right. Every woman in my life is getting a copy of the Northman. They'll be Every like, they'll, they'll text you like on boxing day or whatever and be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> Nicole Kidman did what? Yeah. <laughs> She's sleeping Which, with who? Whoa. I love, I love that clip that they tweeted out because somebody pointed out when he jumps off the boat, it's a clip of when he jumps off the boat to go find his father's killer and, and like fulfill his destiny or whatever. Somebody pointed out, this is literally two seconds after he found out that he, she was pregnant with twins. Yes. yes. <laughs> have to go fight. As soon as he finds <laughs> out, it's like, all right. Volcano. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, if I was good with video clips, we need to find a way to make the Super Bowl introduction performance from that movie into go viral. Because if people see that fucking clip, they will see this movie. That 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 is the greatest scene I have ever seen. I felt so hyped. I felt like I wanted to punch the guy sitting next to me. I just wanted to be violent. It was it's perfect. I, we need to make that clip go viral. I will never forget the feeling that those drums awakened in me in the movie theater. <laughs> <Sex>. like, <laughs> I felt like a new man. <laughs> Primal urge. <laughs> I remember telling y'all there was a there, that theater experience was so weird because a, like a dude brought his like twelve year old kid in there with it like like hell yeah brother like dudes rock I'm gonna show this kid real cinema and then there was just like rape and torture and murder in that movie and incest you trust the yeah. fucker son yeah exactly and you're just like. I just was sitting next to these like this twelve year old and I was like okay. He's gonna remember this one for the rest of his life, probably. I'm in, I'm in like a key moment in this kid's life. Probably they're just putting like women and children in a hut and burning the whole thing. <laughs> but I will say, probably when that in Super Bowl introduction moment, he probably had a bonding moment with his son, where he's just like, "You see, like this is what this is what we're about." We was what wolves. an incredible moment in cinema. I had like three, when that went viral, we I like tweeted it. I, like I quote tweeted it and, and said some shit about it, and like three people were like, "What movie is this?" Because the name of the movie is in the clip. They're like, "What fucking movie is this?" And I'm like, "This the Northman. Go watch it right now. Go so watch." Mad. That movie had the chance to make a like not a billion dollars, really like, like three hundred million dollars, and it didn't. And I'm just like, ah, man. Anyway, justice for the Northman. That, that's our. That's real cinema, Robert Eggers. I love you so much. Thank you for giving us that film. Thank you. So that much. is our weekly uh, Northman rant. <laughs> <laughs> this is now just the Northman podcast. We we come back. <laughs> Every episode is just a different scene of the Northman. <laughs> right. Remember when they were beating each other playing cricket or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> Most intense game of croquet ever. Or whatever the fuck. Yeah. What was. a fucking film. I'm putting that shit on tonight just to feel something. All right. That has been a one take podcast. You can find us at one take podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. the like, go do me a favor. Go follow us on, on Spotify. Give us a rating. If you're listening to us on that platform, I know you are, but also on Apple, give us a five-star review. We won't hassle you for it. It's free. I promise you're not going to go home with a virus on your computer or anything. If you do that or your phone, just rate us five stars and tell us what you think four and a half stars works too if you want to if we're being generous but five stars and uh because that would really help i know more people listen to this than are giving us ratings and ratings and reviews do it you cowards 
we promise that we'll talk about your favorite movie, maybe. Uh, other than that, Dex, what are we doing? Hashtag support Florence Pugh. Doing part two is in theaters March 1st. March 1st. Get your weird popcorn bucket and go support Florence Pugh. Oh, Pew. my God. <laughs> By the way, I will be seated for night one. I will not be using that popcorn bucket. I will, I will, I will not. Good. They could not give it to me for free. I don't. I will not. <laughs> you don't want to be seen. You don't want to be seen walking in with it. <laughs> that thing looks vaginal. I no, just no. Or like the just walk no. back to your car. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Anyway, if you don't know what we're talking about, look up the Dune pop, Dune Two popcorn bucket on Safe Search on your computer. <laughs> All right, we're out. Safe Search. <laughs> Fight the break of dawn, come tomorrow Tomorrow I'll be gone, say tonight Fight the break of dawn, come